Europe did something very radical when the coronavirus hit. They focused on stopping the virus as a way to, to make sure that the economy didn't fall off a cliff. How did they do it? The government just paid payrolls for companies. There wasn't mass unemployment. The government just stepped in. They printed the money. However, Europe prints the money. And they backstopped the payrolls. So on one end, they could focus exclusively on the virus. That tyranny that Italy did, locking down the country for three weeks to a month, which definitely brought down the virus. I think now in all of Italy, I've seen the other day maybe like 150 cases. Way, 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 way down. Europe took care of its citizens. And as a result, the virus is significantly they're not, you know, setting records every day four months into this like the United Corporations of America is. Unlike Europe, we did something a little different. So basically here we did a patchwork bunch of temporary measures. We sent out $1,200 checks, which not everybody even got, which people spent in 10 seconds to basically stop drowning. So the $1,200 was like a Band-Aid for a gunshot wound. And then expansion of unemployment, $600 a week, actually a good measure, which should have been, in, been not set for expired ex- expiration. It should have just been a replenishable. So if you're making the $600 a week on unemployment plus whatever your unemployment already was, it should have just been a, a replenishable uh, measurement until the virus was gone. No expiration until medical experts and uh, government could agree it is safe to go back. But no, it was set for an expiration, coincidentally, in an election year. And again, those $1,200 checks, long gone. The $600 unemployment expansion saved a lot of people's hides, has kept people afloat. I have interviewed many of them around the country, thanks to you. July 26th, the unemployment rate expires. Excuse me, the unemployment expansion of that $600 extra a week, if you've been lucky enough to get it, gone, expires. Uh, I don't know, for the last several weeks... It's been apparent that the cases are getting worse in Arizona, in Florida, in Texas, now in Louisiana, Louisville after I left, Skyrock, uh, Kentucky after I left, skyrocketed. By the way, I just got my latest COVID test. You don't know this, but every time I travel, I come back and I have to take a COVID test because obviously I don't want to get my girlfriend sick. So I went to get a COVID test. There's a huge backlog, so it took a week just to get the results. Uh, But I was negative, knock on wood. Um, So amid all this expiration, if you have that expanded 600 hours, it expires in nine days. If you had that $1,200 check, it ain't looking like you're getting another $1,200 check. Moratoriums on evictions in many states are beginning to uh, expire now. Today, another 1.3 million workers filed for unemployment. Now, 51 million. 
have filed for unemployment. By the way, I don't believe the numbers that have been put out. Some bullshit study that only 5.6 million workers have lost their health care. Uh, 51 million jobless claims. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess. Might not be 51 million have lost their health care, but I'm going to put it closer to 30 to 40 million have lost their health care. Because if you think unemployment offices are overrun on the state level trying to fill claims, go try to get on Medicaid right now. I just spoke with a friend. Can't even get a human being on the phone. So 51 million people have filed for unemployment, right? Estimated 30 to 40 million people have lost their health care. Thank you, Pete Buttigieg, for the sacred choice of Medicare for all, all you want. California, now on, essentially, lockdown again, everything shut down. All of this, again, think about it. If, if you've lost your job, there's not a lot of jobs open right now. People are just rummaging for jobs. There are no jobs. Even if there were, a lot of businesses are just wait. A lot of businesses haven't even been able to float on the PPP loan. So all of this happening in a normal country, you would have Congress or uh, Parliament or whatever in there yesterday, taking immediate action. But we don't live in a country. We live in the United Corporations of America. And right now, the Senate's on recess. Yeah, nine days until millions of Americans have their unemployment insurance expire. And the crazy part about this, uh, Dave Dayan over at American Prospect put it well. So Jeff Stein, who's a pretty decent economics reporter at Washington Post, wrote, never say never. But at this point, I think it's basically impossible to imagine Congress signing a bill into law before enhanced unemployment benefits expire in nine days. Some, t- some talk they could backdate a benefit increase, but I'm sure, I'm unsure exactly how that would work. And Dave pointed out, uh, it's going to expire. McConnell was talking about, quote, the next three weeks and an August 7th deadline for a bill. The benefits are done July 25th or 26th. Was hard enough for state unemployment systems to spin up the federal enhancement. Now, spinning it down and then back up again? And he also brings up this great point. And what does this mean for people with claims in limbo, where they will eventually get processed, and the state unemployment system will have to factor in, A, weeks with 600, B, weeks with nothing, and C, weeks with some other figure less than $600? Yep. Uh, Let me translate that for you. If Mitch McConnell... All of this, uh, Donald Trump going around taking photo ops with Goya beans, as well as his daughter. Uh, Joe Biden, I don't know what he's doing. He's coming out and making Build Back America proposals. Uh, he's not sounding the alarm that I have seen. He's just... Bashing Trump, bashing Trump, which is the easiest thing to do right now. But is he calling for some type of consistent, permanent solution until this is up? Because the, pro- the bottom line is you can't keep doing short-term extensions of things during a pandemic that is not a short-term thing. I'm sorry, folks. 
But this thing is not short term. We're not on the second wave. We never left the first wave. It could have been short term if our government would have had its shit together. But let's also not pretend here. I hate to say it. President Trump deserves a whole lot of cra- lo- whole lot of fault. The most fault. The, the buck stops with him. But, you know, Governor Andrew Cuomo, who Rachel Maddow, CNN, elevated to, you know, patron St. Jesus, he acted too, too slowly. He did not shut down the New York City subway system, the New York City bus system. He did not shut down the city or the state. And you, particularly New York City, where you have many, many, many people from Europe, Asia coming in at all times. And New York was the epicenter of this. Other governors have been even worse. Looking at you, Ron DeSantis in Florida. You, uh, Doug, forgot his last name in Arizona. Greg Abbott in Texas. Brian Kemp, who should be in jail for stealing the election, but... You know, now what happened to Republicans hating big government? Now Brian Kemp steps in in Georgia, overrules counties and towns who are putting mask mask mandates that you have to wear a mask in public. He overrules that. I thought Republicans don't like big government. I guess when they could keep perpetuate the culture war, they like big government. KTGR. Did anyone say what the 20th was again? July 26th, the expiration of the expanded $600 a week unemployment. Nine days, the expanded $600 unemployment is up. So, again, you got Trump going around doing photo ops with Goya beans. He fired his campaign manager. We'll talk about that later. Biden... Basically, coming out of the basement once every couple days, but he ain't proposing anything. By the way, we're not even getting into the problems on the state level. I was just in Kentucky covering uh, the fight for justice for Breonna Taylor. They're telling Kentucky folks, hey, if you can't get your unemployment that you're eligible for, you know, yeah, you, you can meet somebody in person at the end of August. You'll be able to meet somebody in person to get you your unemployment. That's just Kentucky. I've heard horror stories in other states too. People trying to get human beings on the phone or meet somebody in person. All of this going on as they gave corporate America a four to six trillion dollar. I mean, what do you call it? Sexual favor? That first bailout? So... Let me read you a little bit about what Trump wants, what the Republicans want, and apparently what the Democrats want. The White House is insisting that Congress include a payroll tax cut as part of the next coronavirus stimulus package, potentially complicating talks with lawmakers by pushing a measure that President Trump has tried but failed to advance for almost a year. Quote, as he has done since the beginning of this pandemic, President Trump wants to provide relief to hardworking Americans who have been impacted by this virus. And one way of doing that is with a payroll tax holiday. He's called on Congress to pass this before, and he believes it must be part of any phase four package. Um, I don't know. Am I missing something? 51 million people have filed for unemployment. 
I believe they're not on the payroll anymore, Donald. A payroll tax holiday? I mean, that's good for people that are working. But what about the 51 million people that aren't working? That's like... That's like... Seeing a house burning in front of you and the fire the firefighters going to a house down the block and serving lemonade to people sitting on the patio. Not that lemonade isn't good. A tax holiday, a payroll tax holiday would be nice. I think it's just a diversionary tactic for Trump and the Republicans to rob Social Security because the payroll tax cut the payroll tax technically pays for Social Security and Medicare. Of course it really doesn't because there's no such thing as taxes paying for these things. I believe in modern monetary theory. We have all the money to pay for all of this. The government prints the money for war. The government prints the money for tax cuts, deregulation, bailouts for banks. The government uh, prints the money for subsidies to the banking industry, the fossil fuels, big pharma, Silicon Valley. We got all the money for all these things, but we have been fed this lie about taxes. But I digress. So Trump wants a payroll tax cut, which makes no sense. As I just explained, McConnell is saying he will launch negotiations on the next coronavirus bill next week. Uh, so we're nine days in. We got nine days. Next week is the 20th. So if they start negotiations on the 20th, the expiration is the 25th. Uh, things usually don't happen that quickly in Washington unless it's for banks. If it's for banks, they could negotiate within two days trillions of dollars. If it's for oil companies, banks, pharmaceutical companies, both parties will do it very, very quickly. But if it's expiration for unemployment, food stamps, you name it, for working people, for now poor people, uh, I don't think they could do it in a week because they're not going to prioritize doing it in a week. Key Republican senators have been cool to the idea of a payroll tax cut in the past, partly because it only helps workers who are actually employed. I hate to say it, but got to agree with the Republicans. Congress has rebuffed Trump's previous demands for a payroll tax cut for individuals instead approving a round of checks to individual Americans as part of the $2 trillion CARES Act. But now as Congress and the administration prepare to write what will likely be the last major coronavirus spending bill, Trump is again demanding a payroll tax cut. He and some allies view the policy as an effective way to stimulate the economy. Quote of Stephen Moore. Quote, high-ranking White House officials have told me that they will not sign a phase four deal without a payroll tax cut. Oh, let's listen to Stephen Moore, the same fucking Republican asshole who told George Bush to cut taxes after launching a war, first time in American history. Cut taxes twice, both time for billionaires. Let's listen to Stephen Moore. The payroll tax is 7.65% uh, tax that is taken out of workers' paychecks and goes to fund Social Security and Medicare. Again, that's not true. 
Uh, lawmakers of both parties have been anticipating the upcoming coronavirus bill will contain a new round of checks to individuals, something Trump has signaled public support for. But it's unclear whether the legislation could include a new round of stimulus checks and a payroll tax cut, especially since McConnell has been aiming to keep the overall price tag at around a trillion dollars, a figure Democrats say is much too low. So let's just get down to it and cut the bullshit. First of all, Donald Trump, Republicans, a payroll tax cut? No. That doesn't help the 51 million people unemployed. That doesn't help the people that are still technically employed, but with reduced hours. Um, Democrats, $1 trillion for states, cities, and towns, and local governments. That might sound good, but there's always fine print that the corporate media doesn't cover. Listen, I've been around the block. I've been to now probably 40 states in the last five years. I've covered a lot of cities. I've covered a lot of towns. When money gets earmarked for states, cities, and towns, guess what? A lot of that money tends to get diverted to the real estate developers, to foundations, to donors. So you think the money might be going to keep the teachers on the books. You think the money might be going to keep the firefighters, the police, uh, you know, the sanitation workers on the books. But somehow that money always seems to get funneled to a bunch of different places. So $1 trillion to state cities and towns might sound good. That's not what should be the signature of the next package. $1,200 check? No. And you might be saying, Jordan, I mean, don't shoot yourself in the foot. I'm not going to reject a $1,200 check. You know what? Be mad at him all you want. Be mad at Bernie. A lot of people are. But didn't Bernie tell us? Didn't Bernie, if he did one thing that will last, say, no, don't start accepting half a loaf. Demand the whole f***ing loaf. Excuse my French. $1,200 check. Okay, so then we could do all of this over in three months. $1,200 check in New York City might buy you a six-pack of almond milk. Okay? Just keeping it real. Almond milk's very expensive. California, what's $1,200 going to do for you? Chicago, Philadelphia, Denver, a lot of other places. Your rent might be more than $1,200. $1,200, it's going to go to you. It's going to be out, out, out the door within a minute. And then you've got to figure out what comes next. So a one, another one-time check, we cannot accept any more Band-Aids for a deep gunshot wound. No payroll tax cut. The problem isn't the people currently working. They don't need a tax cut. It's the 51 billion people who have filed for unemployment. I hear nothing about tens of millions of people who have lost their health care, which suddenly Joy Reid has seen the light. Wait for that one. Joy Reid, the original Bernie bro or, Bernie, you know, Bernie bro pusher. He's not a Democrat. Now she's pro Medicare for all. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Bernie's out. No threat to the plutocracy? Well, maybe Medicare for all is a good deal, good idea. People, frankly, need to organize and fast. And even though it can't be in person for safety reasons, 
I'm saying if they offer you another sandwich at a $1,200 check, reduced unemployment, which is probably what it's going to be, I think you're lucky if you get $200 expanded on uh, uh, health insurance. It's $600 now. I would be very surprised if Republicans agreed to an expanded $200 unemployment, which the Democrats have no leverage because Nancy drove the getaway car when Republicans robbed the Treasury in the first bill. They couldn't they could have not got four to six trillion dollars for their donors if Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer didn't go along with it. Right there. She drove the getaway car. So are we just going to accept being run over by the oligarchy? Are we just going to accept millions of people being evicted from their homes? Kamala Harris comes out today with a bill that ban ban evictions and foreclosures for a year, bar utilities from cutting off access to power, water, or gas, prohibit landlords from raising tenants' rent, prevent negative credit reporting during economic downturn. I wonder why she's coming out with this bill right now. Any, any ideas? It's a good bill. Credit to her. Credit where credit is due. But isn't it always interesting when these legislators come out with these bills? A, when they know it could never get passed, so they're just basically virtue signaling, pretending that they're for these things with no real political downside. She knows this isn't getting through because all of their top money men and donors are developers, real estate, the landlords of America. Hey, she put it on paper. Credit to her. But right now, there is no national ban on evictions and foreclosures. It is expiring now. I am already seeing on Reddit where you actually could get a lot of good information. People being dragged to housing courts. You want to go to a housing court during a pandemic? Can you afford the lawyer? Because I'll tell you who has more money. The landlords and the real estate companies, not you. Where, where is Nancy Pelosi? Yeah, Republicans are awful, but I thought the Democrats are the party of the people. I'm kidding, of course. Where is? Let me say it. Let me say it. Where is? Demands in front of cameras, organizing people, even if, even if it has to be online, for a immediate Universal basic income, we, it expires when medical professionals say we are out of the woods and it is safe for people to go back to work, full stop, and it, is, and it is safe to hire people back. We don't need unemployment that expires in the next three months down the road. We don't need uh, another $1,200 check. You bailed out the banks with no strings attached in 2008 in, one, in two days. No strings attached. Why are so many strings attached when it comes to rescue, rescuing working people? If you think John Wayne is coming with the rescue van. Uh, here's a story. Gotta love this. Gave me a tickle. Joe Biden's donors... He's gotten a massive increase in donors recently. 
James Murdoch, the son of Rupert Murdoch, uh, gave $615,000 to Biden's victory fund. Uh, Meg Whitman, CEO of media company Quibi, contributed $500,000 for you California natives. You remember Meg Whitman's run for governor there when she, uh, you know, basically shamed people on Medicaid, tried to cut California's Medicaid basically from ex- from ex- uh, existence. Just great people. I mean, in fairness to Biden, Hillary Clinton was taking her money, too, in 2016. But Meg Whitman ran for governor, tried to cut Medicaid, all social wel- welfare plans in California. These are the people the Democrats are embracing as part of the resistance. Bob Iger, executive chairman of Disney. Oh, got to love Disney now. Just chasing, just forcing Mickey and Minnie and Daffy Duck there. Reopen Disney amid a pandemic. Florida just had 13,000 new cases. Ken Frazier, the CEO of Merck, another corrupt company, if you know anything about Big Pharma. But the key part of this, many of Biden's bundlers, those uh, raising millions of dollars for Joe Biden, told CNBC that the renewed effort by these business leaders is linked to the fact that Bernie Sanders and more liberal candidates are no longer a threat to becoming president. The big money donors are capitalists. For a minute, Bernie was close to locking it up, but then came California. They were petrified of Trump and horrified by Bernie. Now they actually have a choice before they didn't, said Florida businessman and Biden bundler John Morgan, who, by the way, happens to be a major fundraiser for Debbie Wasserman Schultz, another corrupt scoundrel. Here is the money quote. Joe is a known entity, and while he is socially liberal, he is not someone who is erratic. He is thoughtful and focused on the entire country, not one faction of the country, the bundler said. Let me translate this for you. Nothing will fundamentally change. A known entity, meaning we've had a couple cigars and champagne with him in the back rooms. We know what he'll do and won't do. I love the socially liberal part. What's socially liberal about not, not uh, legalizing marijuana, giving the police $300 billion extra for community policing? What exactly makes him socially liberal? He was for the Hyde Amendment like in, as of five minutes ago. All of this, to me, just if you needed any more evidence, folks... We do not live in a country. We don't have a government. Say what you want about Europe, you know, uh, but by and large, based on the benefits they give their citizens, based on um, basically just the way government is structured, there's basic concern for their citizens, human dignity. Yeah, you know, you have uh, class systems and income inequality in other countries. But you have certain rights as citizens, and those rights are not dictated by corporations. They're dictated as just being a citizen. Here, you don't have those rights. Freedom? Well, how free can you be if you are literally hanging from a cliff nine days from now? 
once that in- unemployment ends. Is that freedom? Uh, Portland is like a f- war zone right now. Anybody watching this in Portland? Before I tell you what's going on in Portland, just so you kind of see how the police have been, this is video uh, we got a couple weeks ago in Portland. Let me remind you, this was what was going on in Portland a few weeks ago during Black Lives Matter protests. That was the Portland police. That was Portland PD a couple weeks ago during Black Lives Matter protests. No, no, no. That's not like a foreign country. And that shouldn't happen in a foreign country either way. Portland, Oregon. Okay? So since then, you know how there was this big hubbubaloo because Trump threatened to send the military into cities? Well, the military since then has gone into Portland, Oregon. Because Black Lives Matter protests have continued in Portland, Oregon. I just don't see any media coverage of it. So the Portland police who are out of control and should be sanctioned. And uh, at this point, I think we go further than defund. How about just abolish? Because that is not a police department. That is an occupying army. Here we go. President Trump says Portland protests was totally out of control, but the feds very much quelled it. Trump vowed to take over cities where violence continues. Two days after a federal officer shot a Portland protester in the head with a projectile, President Donald Trump decried liberal cities, including Portland, and drew a correlation between calls to defund police and increase gun violence. So let me just tell you about that. Federal officers repeatedly lobbed tear gas canisters into crowds of protesters surrounding the Mark 
O'Hatfield United States Courthouse on Saturday night after hours after hitting a demonstrator in the head with a project projectile. City Commissioner Joanne Hardesty this afternoon issued grave condemnation of the presence and actions of federal officers deployed to Portland by Trump to quell an uprising. Quote, their presence brought on an escalation of violence towards protesters, an extreme response to a movement challenging police violence. This recklessness and aggressive behavior has now put someone in the hospital. This protester is still fighting for their life, and I want to be clear, this should have never happened. If this continues, a life will be taken, and it won't matter whether a federal officer or Portland police officer did it. It won't bring the person back. Uh, let me just show you video of this. Um, so it ain't theoretical. Trump did it. He sent in federal troops to cities, and they are lobbing tear gas. They shot a protester point blank with a projectile. Um, wh- what the f- man? And I love, I love how this next part really tickled me. Mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, calls on federal officers to leave Portland. We do not need or want their help. Wheeler does not have the authority to oust federal officers, but he can ask them to leave. In a series of tweets published Tuesday afternoon, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler said he gave Acting Secretary of Homeland Security Chad Wolf an ultimatum. Either keep federal agents inside of the buildings they claim to protect or make them leave Portland altogether. I told the Acting Secretary that my biggest immediate concern is the violence federal officers brought to our streets in recent days and the life-threatening tactics his agent used. We do not need or want their help. You know, I would respect that comment if your police weren't just as bad. This is kind of the equivalent when you're looking at what the mayor just said of, get the f*** out of here. We could brutalize protesters all on our own. We don't need your help. Our police are already brutal enough. Here's another video. So let me just reset. Trump has sent in the military. The military is shooting tear gas and pepper spray. The military is shooting projectiles at point blank range. One one protester went to the hospital. All of this, by the way, for Black Lives Matter protests that continue, not getting national attention that they're continuing. And the mayor of Portland is telling, get the military out here. You're brutalizing protesters. Well, Mr. Mayor, what did you do? When your military, excuse me, yeah, when your military, i.e. the police, were doing this.
unlawful assembly. Leave downtown Portland to the west. Pick your poison, folks. You could either have the military brutalize you in America or the police brutalize you in America. All of this to protect a federal building because protesters have been protesting outside federal buildings. You know, Trump is living in this world that if he just exerts militaristic law and order bravado, that's going to work and get him reelected. The problem is it might have worked pre-pandemic, but you're in a pandemic now. 51 million people have lost their jobs. Tens of millions have lost their health insurance. You're living on another planet as far as the coronavirus risk. You're saying, oh, it's just a flare-up. We'll get it under control. It's not just a flare-up. We're setting record cases every day. And his response is just more authoritarianism, fascism. And by the way, I haven't heard the opposition party, the Democrats, condemning this either. Where are the Democrats on what the military are doing to Portland protesters, as well as what the police were doing to Portland protesters before? So... I don't know. Something doesn't change. Maybe I got to go to Portland. Joy Reid, who is now uh, the replacement for Chris Matthews, uh, she was not such a friend to progressives for the last five years. I would say she basically gaslit the country. Also, I would say, as a prominent African-American voice on MSNBC, definitely, uh, shall we say, was an was a um, influence on older black voters in terms of whether Bernie Sanders is radical or or whose policies that could help them or if he even cared about black people. Just to take you down memory lane of Joy Reid. The man who is leading in most of the polls throughout the country is not only not a registered Democrat, has not registered as a Democrat, has essentially refused to register as a Democrat, and is now tweeting this morning. It's trending that the Democratic establishment, that means you guys, the Democratic establishment will not stop him from getting the nomination. He is presenting what he's doing as a hostile takeover, not a merger with the party that he caucuses with in the Senate. So my question again is, do you worry as chairman, as somebody who's dealt with the Sanders team, that some of whom voted for Jill Stein and still were allowed to come in and negotiate the rules? Do you not worry that if Sanders is denied the nomination, even under rules he agreed to, that there will be civil war in the Democratic uh, Party. You know what? Everybody understands. What's different about 2020, there's a lot of PTSD about 2016. Oh, I think everyone uh, And you know what's different about 2020? Donald Trump and the existential threat to our nation. Civil war, that's a loaded term. Hostile takeover. I f- wish Bernie did a hostile takeover. He was too busy calling Joe Biden his friend. I mean, there's more of that. I haven't even gotten into her pushing the Bernie bros propaganda. Well, apparently, Joy Reid, Bernie's gone and she has seen the light. Some might say, seen Jesus. I'm blocked, so I had to take this from somebody else. Joy Reid today. I will admit to being a past Medicare for All skeptic, 
with a lot of questions about what happened to union-negotiated PPO plans. Hashtag, uh, excuse me, parentheses. Though a good friend whose family is a GM family in Flint told me she would far prefer Medicare for all. I can't think of one good reason today to keep the current system. That was in response to something uh, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley tweeted. Uh, she tweeted, explained to me how you could live through the COVID-19 crisis and not support Medicare for all. So there's two responses to this or two possible responses. One would be, well, Jordan, you know, isn't the whole point of what you're doing and what progressive activists are doing to, is to try to get people like Joy Reid to see the light, to try to expand the coalition, to try and get uh, these corporate establishment folks over to our side so that we could topple the corporate Democratic establishment? Isn't that the whole point? Theoretically, yes. And I believe in, you know, people could change their views. In politics, they generally change their views when there's motivation, when it's an election year, when it's convenient, or when it's low risk for them to change their views. So that's number one. Accept the evolution, embrace, and then demand her to use her platform to convince her voters, uh, conv- yeah, convince her voters, which would be the viewers. The second option, second option is to say, go f- yourself. You are insincere. The reason you are now coming to see the light in Jesus is because Bernie is no longer a threat. The likely next president said, even if it passes Congress, I would veto Medicare for all because his donors won't let him ever pass that because that would take away money from their gravy train. Uh, Why are you now seeing the light now? Was the 30 million people before uninsured not a crisis point for you? You needed an extra 30 million to be uninsured to now see the light at the insanity of this system? It just seems like, what are you seeing now that wasn't abundantly clear before? I'm going to go with number two. Some people might not like that because I don't think it's sincere. And most importantly, she might have tweeted that But I would be stunned if you started seeing Joy Reid at 7 o'clock Eastern on MSNBC pushing Medicare for all or trying to push Biden to the Medicare for all position. Why? Because Comcast signs her checks and Comcast does not want Medicare for all. Corporations do not want Medicare for all because Wall Street does not want Medicare for all. We always look at the big pharma donations, but don't forget the Wall Street Mega banks, the Wall Street mega funds, they're all invested up to their greedy little eyeballs in healthcare stocks, in healthcare research and development, in big pharmaceutical companies. They don't want healthcare for people to be free at the point of service. And, you know, the bottom line is you're dollar, you're dollar late. What are you, a dollar short, a day late? You're a smart person. You might be uh, somebody I don't agree with politically, but she's a smart smart cookie. She saw that this system was beyond repair long before Bernie Sanders. But she told the line. 
just like everybody else in corporate media toes the line because they have wonderful health insurance. I used to work at MSNBC. It was pretty damn good health insurance. Low copays. I don't remember the deductible being that high. Now, I will gladly come on and eat crow if she starts pushing for Medicare for all on air, if she starts pushing Biden, push everybody. Hey, have Bernie on, have a discussion. But I will not forgive or forget the disgusting coverage, you know, challenging Bernie saying, oh, you know, maybe maybe he's out of step with black people. It wasn't enough to get arrested during the civil rights movement. Oh, he, he moved up to Vermont. Not a lot of black people there. Oh, you know, he talks about the economics so much when it comes to black people, but racism isn't only economics. Meanwhile, I never heard a word from her on that Joe Biden literally pushed the legislation that locked up black men for a generation. Uh, gee, which one's a little bit more problematic? I didn't hear Joy Reid condemning Joe Biden for the crime bill. I didn't hear Joy Reid condemning Joe Biden for repealing Glass-Steagall, which led to the 2008 financial crash, which, by the way, disproportionately foreclosed homes on black people. I didn't hear Joy Reid condemning uh, Biden that much for the Iraq war. A lot of black people went to that war. Certainly haven't heard Joe Biden, uh, Joy Reid, Condemning Biden for taking money from J.P. Morgan, all these Wall Street banks that charge higher interest rates to black and brown people. But Bernie bros. He's not a Democrat. Racially insensitive. The best one was, I don't know if you remember during the campaign, but Bernie was actually in Flint. And he was going to give a speech that his campaign billed as a big address on, uh, you know, his policies for African-Americans. And he decided, which I think was a mistake, actually, but he decided to not speak and just give the microphone to a panel of speakers, uh, including Cornell West. I think uh, Dr. Victoria Dooley, uh, who was an is she a doctor or a nurse? I forget. I think she's a nurse. Uh, But Bernie basically Guy was part of the panel, but he did not do the speech. He gave it to a panel. Joy Reid went nuts. Joy Reid, particularly with black viewers and voters, did almost as much as any, as any other figure I could think of to gaslight, to make Bernie sound like a radical, to make Bernie sound like some kind of communist, to spe- especially older black voters. Now she sees the light on... Medicare for all because there's a mass epidemic of unemployed people. I got news for you. There was a pretty mass epidemic of people without health insurance before the coronavirus, and she didn't give a damn. 